man, what a great day to be an Eagle. Mercy. Eagle Nation, let's do this thing one more time. We are back, baby. Episode one of season six of Gata Talk. That is right. We are six. Season six, Cody. It is we're, we're the longest running podcast, actually, not even fan podcast, just longest running podcast about Georgia Southern. Starting this thing, like I said, you know, five seasons ago, 2018, beginning of the Lunsford era. Um, released just a few weeks before Inside the Eagle Nation, <laughs> right? So predate them <laughs> just a few weeks. Danny Reed and them do a great job as always. Um, obviously, they didn't know about us. We didn't know that that was coming. Um, but but yeah, got got just a, a slightly early jump on them. So and been doing it ever since, right? Every every football season. So uh, this is the the fan podcast of Georgia Southern football. So whether you're joining us for the first time or the hundred and second time, because this is our hundred and second episode. Um, we, is that how many episodes it yeah, is? Yeah, hundred. Yeah, we totally missed wow. the, the century mark, right? <laughs> the yeah, century celebration. But um, <laughs> thank you, right? Thank you for joining. Um, we like, uh, or, or we hope you like what you hear. Um, and and yeah, man, it's it's been a it's been a wild ride. Um, happy to be back for season six. Uh, my name is Matt. Welcome to Gata Talk. Uh, that voice you hear on the other side, that is Cody. Um, and, uh, and yeah, Cody, just, just really excited to get this thing kicked off and, um, just excited for the 2023 Georgia Southern football season. Yes. Excited for the season up ahead. Um, a lot of new faces, a lot of new changes that we have not talked about yet. I know it's been a, a pretty long break since the, uh, bowl preview. Uh, but yeah, excited, ready to dive into it, man. Yeah, we we definitely ended season five abruptly, right? Uh, with <laughs> yes, a, we did with a with a preview um, of the Camellia Bowl, but obviously not the recap of it. Obviously, did not go our All right, way ready for the recap against Let's do it. against <laughs> Buffalo, right? Yeah, spent twenty minutes just talking about it, going through stats. Um, you know, Man, but defensive coordinator for them. But, yeah, right. But uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll we'll obviously get in that. Um, if you're listening to this, you're obviously plugged in uh, to Georgia Southern football, so so you know that we had some coaching changes. Um, we'll get into that, and one of which is being the new DC coming from the University of Buffalo. So um, more to come there. This first episode, this will be the first of of several of kind of our. Uh, you know, season preview extravaganza, right? Um, just a couple episodes here, and this first one really focused around change, right? Because we, we've had a ton of it. Um, so before we get into that, we have a change in season six of Gata Talk, a very exciting change, and some huge news that we've been sitting on and haven't really even teased or anything. Um, and yeah, Cody, should we just jump right into it? Yeah. Do it. So we have our first sponsor. So we have our first title sponsor. Um, it's been a long time coming. You know, I, if, if you've listened to us for a while, you've heard 
me say probably that, you know, we started this in 2018, like I said, because there wasn't anything, right? Like I said, Inside Eagle Nation started a few weeks later. It was not a podcast dedicated to Georgia Southern. We did it as a passion project, still as a passion project. We obviously have day jobs, families, all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, we were never out to like do anything really more than that other than just like have the same conversations we would normally have, um, be fans and, you know, uh, you know, spew our opinions, um, whether you agreed with them or not, uh, with the good, bad and ugly that came with, with our program. Right. Um, and we've certainly seen that over the past five seasons. Um, but, but yeah, so this kind of came, uh, to us presented to us and, and, you know, we wanted to make sure it was the right time and the right fit. So you're probably asking yourself, okay, well, who, who's the sponsor? So sponsor is can cut. Okay. And it is a, um, premium drill bit and, uh, and cutting tool company. Now you're probably asking yourself, okay, well, that seems like a weird fit, <laughs> right? Um, and, uh, so here's, here's where it will start to make sense. So this is a Georgia owned Georgia uh, grown business, um, dates back to 1996. Uh, all their products are U S made and they are, owned 100% owned by Andy Thompson, um, who is a Georgia Southern alumni, Georgia Southern super fan, donor, you know, all, all the things used to run Hill Southern, if you're if you're familiar with the Hill Southern website, and the Hill Southern uh, merchandise online merchandise store that kind of predates Southern Exchange and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, he, he kind of set out with that same thing, right? Like, like we did, like there saw saw a need there, that the university store wasn't really serving at the time started that. So it just, it, it was like a perfect marriage. Honestly, he, he, he came to us, liked what we were doing um, and just wanted to help us out. And we're trying to help him out. So again, it's can cut it's K N K U T all one word. Um, again, it's uh, it's us made drill bits, cutting tools. These are premium stuff. I'm not going to pretend like I use them and give you a testimonial. <laughs> Cody won't either, right? This this is for um, industry professionals, right? Mechanics, fabricators, that sort of thing. So if yeah. you're if you're listening to this and you or someone you know is in that industry, um, then you're going to know way more than I'm going to know. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you um, to go check these people out. But if you haven't heard of them and this does apply to you, you have a shop, you're a hobbyist, but you're, you know, want premium um, drill bits and cutting tools, uh, can cut is your solution, right? Um, their tagline is the whole solution, right? Clever. Um, and, uh, and yeah, definitely go check them out again. K N K U T, uh, can cut all one word can cut.com. Um, Andy Thompson owner, um, alumni, uh, becoming a friend, uh, you know, again, glad to support him. Glad that he, you know, is putting his faith in us and, uh, and yeah, he is the, the 2023 title sponsor now. I've got to talk. Very exciting, and it's a wonderful opportunity, and we can't thank him enough for it. Um, but, yeah, go visit the website. I think it has Instagram, too, um, and go check it out. For sure. 
And, and yeah, so, I mean, you know, from here, we obviously want to grow, right? We've said that every year. Um, and we have grown every year again, season six, um, we've, you know, more than doubled of, of kind of where we started with our, our kind of core base listenership. The thing that I'm most proud of Cody, I'm sure you agree is that we have so many people that have listened to us for 101 episodes. Yes. Um, yes. And, you know, and, and they're, they get on social media and they advocate for us and they get on us when we're not releasing, <laughs> you know, new episodes. <laughs> and, uh, and we love that and we want more of that. So um, we're hoping that through this partnership, again, with the fit of, of being an alumni-owned company, being a Georgia-owned uh, um, you know, um, and, and grown company, that we can just amplify Gotta Talk and, and get it in front of more people because we know that there is a need for it, right? We're, we're still doing this for a reason. There obviously are more podcasts now. There's more outlets and blogs and things like that covering Georgia Southern than there was in 2018 when we started this thing. Um, and, and they're all great in their own respect. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, if, if you come here, like I said, you're going to get it. Um, you're going to get real talk, right? Um, we, (laughs) we, we don't really answer to anybody. Um, right. So if, if things are going bad, we'll say it, things are going good we'll say it. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, just really excited, Cody, um, getting this out. And, and again, even with kind of some more like advertising support and, and things that we're, we're looking to, to invest in, um, the best tool is just organic reach, right? Um, I'm in marketing. I've been in marketing for over seven years now. I was in journalism for like 10 years before that. Um, word of mouth is the most powerful tool, period. Um, so yep. all of our loyal listeners, it, again, whether you've listened to us a hundred times or you're new here and you like what you hear, spread the word, get on social, talk about us. Um, and let's, let's amplify this thing as, as much as we can. So, um, cool. All right. Get off the soapbox. Right. Let's get down let's, to it. Let's, let's get it. Let's get into football. Get so, what they want to hear. So like I said, we, um, change right the, this whole episode's about change so cody uh you know i posed a question to you and we were kind of talking through how we were gonna do this and recap all the things that have happened um yes. since that bowl game and uh we kind of came up with this theme for change um we've got player personnel, right? It happens to everybody, especially now in the transfer portal era. You of course have your grads, but then you have uh, people transferring out, people transferring in, but you also have coaching shakeups, right? So obviously entering uh, year two of, of Clay Helton. Um, but we had a fair bit of, of, of coaching changes in, in, in this off season. So I want to start there and I want to start with, you know, what's arguably the biggest coaching change, um, followed by what, you know, easily could be the biggest coaching change. So I'm going to start with defensive coordinator. So you had Will Harris, um, uh, leave us decide, uh, you know, earlier in the year to, to go, um, to the NFL, to the San Diego Chargers, assistant uh, um, defensive backs coach, obviously a position he knows really well, um, one that he coached at Washington. He had no experience as DC. It was his first uh, time gig as a DC um, coming to us last year. Um, you know, and, and let's be honest, it, it, it didn't go great, right? Our defense was not good, um, you know, pretty much uh, in the bottom 10 or bottom five of most defensive categories, um, including total defense, third from last there. Um and yeah, so, you know, he announced that 
there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, people objecting to it. <laughs> a whole lot of people um, no, mad it's about it. Yeah. Weird, right? Like, like we're, you know, obviously if any, anybody coach or player gets a job to the NFL, you're happy for them, you know, good for you, go take it. But at the same time, you're right. Nobody's, nobody's upset by it. <laughs> it wasn't like we were like the top 10 defense in all categories. So, um, no, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Sorry to cut you off there. No, no, I, you're good. I feel like it's kind of one of those weird things that was like mutual. Like, I think everybody was happy for it. For sure. We were like, and we wish them the best. We would, yeah, we wish yep. them the best, uh, certainly. Um, but you know, just didn't really seem like a good fit. Right. And sometimes that happens. You never know. Right. You move across the yeah. country. Um, it's a huge transition. Helton did it the same way. But like, uh, of course, he's coached in the South before. Will Harris has mm-hmm. not. Right. He played at USC. He's a West Coast guy. Now he's back in San Diego. It just makes sense. So it, it does. Enter Brandon Bailey. Right. Who's an alumni, but not a Georgia Southern football player alumni i guess he is a georgia southern football alumni but uh he he was on the staff right he, he was on the support staff Correct. um Correct. and was not a player which is something you don't see every day um but you are seeing more of it right uh, like the the san francisco 49ers coach or, or uh no he was at the san francisco 49 the miami dolphins coach comes to mind mm-hmm. right like these these guys are just like football minds or like analysts um film guys that work their way up um that's kind of Brandon Bailey, right? Um, and he's, uh, you know, uh, followed or he, again, comes from University of Buffalo um, where he was uh, D.C. last year, one year, right? So one more year of experience that Will Harris had, but very small yes. sample size. Um, and he did, you know, he, he, he did a good job uh, with, with Buffalo. That uh, They certainly weren't like world beaters by any means on defense. We sort of saw them again in the, in the Camellia Bowl firsthand. Um, they certainly shut us down. I think that's fair to say. Um, so he definitely yeah. had a great game plan against us. Um, and you know, one, I'm sure he was, you know, circling on his calendar, not just being a bowl game, but him being an alumni and, uh, and yeah, when, when Will Harris kind of left unexpectedly, um, you know, I don't know if he was the first call, but he, he certainly was interested, right? I mean, this, this is a homecoming for him. His wife is an alumni, um, I believe from South Georgia. Uh, so, so yeah, great to get like a hometown guy. Um, great to have someone with at least some coordinator experience um but still a very young guy right he was i I believe the youngest defensive coordinator in the nation or in fbs i believe um last year i think that's still the case um he certainly it's still the case certainly one of them um and and yeah i mean you know a lot of potential out of him just give me your your initial thoughts on brandon bailey cody potential is a huge word right there right like you you like you, you mentioned the small sample size it looked good. He obviously they had a great game plan against us last year or in the not last year. Well, yeah, it was last year in the bowl game. Um, obviously they won the game. Um, they had a couple of of um, inside the red zone stops that you can say swayed the game one way or the other. Uh, and overall, looking at the season that he had at Buffalo, it was pretty good. Um, can't really look at that and, and say this is a glaring spot or this isn't a glaring spot. Um, outside of the fact, like you said, he's young, not much experience there when he's going up against, you know, maybe better offensive minded coaches in the Sun Belt. How is he going to react? And also in terms of talent on our defense, we've had a lot of transfers to come in. 
does he know the personnel well enough? Can he get them to come together as a group? Who's going to be the leaders on the defensive side of the ball? I don't know. There's a lot of questions on that side of the ball that we're not going to have answered until the first two or three games of the season. And it's kind of scary when you look at it. Like, is there potential there? Yes. But potential is a very dangerous word because if you think you could be good, but you don't act on it, you don't do the things that you need to do to prep yourself for it, then you're going to fall flat on your face and you're going to look terrible. Um, To me, this defense has a lot to prove. Everybody on that side of the locker room needs to understand that if they just do their job decent, this team has a lot of potential overall to do really well, great things. And you can look at last year's team and say the defense kind of held us back a lot. Oh, yeah. There are several games in which you look at and you say, if the defense would have just played average, we could have had two or three more wins. So it, to me, there's a lot to prove in that side of the, on that side of the locker room in this season coming forward. And it starts with him at the top. And I think he has something to prove. He's young. And he needs to come in. He's in a, to me a better conference in the MAC, obviously. And there's going to be a, a lot more offensive design and to me tougher offenses to go against. And honestly, again, this may be a dream job for his, but let's not be crazy. Let's not think crazy here. He has an opportunity to really do well here and position himself to get like a P five coordinator job to where they pay a lot more money. Yeah, if he does well here. Yeah, for so, sure. So, I mean. But, again, there's a lot of unknowns to the defensive side of the ball that we won't be able to answer. And we can look at things and hope and, you know, do all the fan stuff. But if you're really looking at it, I don't have this gleeful feeling of, oh, my gosh, this defense is going to be head and shoulders better than what it was last year. To me, it's a lot of wait and see and need to prove it to us. Oh, of course. But, yeah, and and I don't think really anyone thinks that. But let's be honest, it's – it's going to be tough to be worse, right? Than we were last year. <laughs> it is. And and like, and so, so I do, I, mean, I do think that we have potential and again, small sample size of what we saw at Buffalo. Um, and I'm going to get into a couple stats here in a second. Um, small sample size of what we saw in the spring game, right? Uh, obviously we haven't talked about that. Yeah. Um, and, and yes, as playing yourself and, and all this kind of stuff. And there's a lot of variables there, of course, but, um, you know, we saw a lot of turnovers there there um i i think that we that just a different voice in there and someone that honestly can scheme better because i just didn't see that out of will harris you know i think he's a a player's coach i think he you know obviously knows the defensive back position produced you know a ton of uh, of great players at Washington that went on, you know, to play at the next level. Um, mm-hmm. I think that football mind wise of total defensive scheme that Brandon Bailey, while still young and raw, I think is further along there. Um, and again, I agree with you. I don't think that it's going to be night and day. Like we're going to suddenly jump in the top 25 or even like the top 50 um, or 60. But I think if we could talk, you know, jump in the top 100, that would make a huge difference. And obviously offense has to, you know, step up and replicate or close closely replicate, um, you know, what yeah. we did last year. But if we could go from third to last in most, you know, or, or bottom five in most defensive categories, to top 100 and somewhere between like 70 and 100 
I think you're going to see a lot more wins. Um, or a few more wins. Maybe not a lot more wins, but a few more yeah, wins. Not a lot more. Just based on But we on should that. easily be bowl eligible yes. at that point. Yes. Yeah, that would I would agree with, as long as the offense doesn't go down a notch, um, which we may get into on this episode. <laughs> but, you know, again, it, I'll just reiterate the point that, to me, there's there's so many unknowns. With, I mean, with this defense, like, who's the leaders of this team on that side of the ball? Who do you know? I mean, you, I'm looking at the Phil Still book right now. Can you look at it and really see on that who's who's from last year's team that played a lot? That played a lot. I mean, besides uh, the main linebacker, um, Marquez Trent. So, yeah, Watson, I mean, Watson Trent who else is, is pretty who much else is that's, on, your, that's your leader, yeah. right? That's your leader. Okay. So, who, I mean, to me, that I, I, as to me, what I think needed to be done was a complete makeover of the defense. Great, you, your whole secondary is gone. There was a lot of good players there, but I think we brought in a lot of good players from the transfer portal. Right. But again, I don't know what this defense is going to be because everything's new. And how do you? But did you need that, that overhaul you, though? Like, did you need like? I mean, I, I understand like you I need. Mean, I don't know. You I need a couple so. like I mean, key you're cogs. That bad. Yeah, you need right. You need. You need a couple key cogs to like, you know, get you. Um, you know, at least yeah, you can't just kind of like piece together a team with a transfer portal, right? And, and like, no, that's kind of we got a lot of young guys that, that you know didn't come out of the transfer portal, but doesn't you know don't have. A lot of playing time or or or, or no playing time um and then yeah we're we're kind of patch job with with a bunch of other guys and like you said i think a lot of talented guys a lot of guys that were you know um highly recruited out of high school um and you know for one reason or another didn't get like the you know opportunity they they thought they deserved at you know fbs le- or at the power five level um came to us but is that continuity going to be there right is that cohesiveness going to be there um it takes time right but i it does yeah. I, I think there was a, a a sense of that last year too and it just never came together so while we did have some we were we had a more veteran presence last year without a doubt mm-hmm. um but i think with um this year i think we're have potential to have a more talented unit and okay talent only gets you so far but i think with that talent i feel more confidence in Bailey that he's going to be able to make something of it. So I look at what he did okay. at, at, at uh, Buffalo and, you know, turnovers, you know, come to mind. And, and again, like we're looking at something that we're not talking about how many points you give up or how many total yards you give up. I think we're probably still going to be in the like, certainly second half of the country, right. in FBS in those categories. Probably okay. I do. Um, you know, but I think turnovers, which is something that Will Harris preached, and we just didn't really see. We had 16 uh, total turnovers, um, five fumbles, uh, and 11 interceptions. Um, Bailey turned around Buffalo. So they had over twice as many in his one year there. So they, they forced 28 turnovers last year. Okay. Um, and we saw several in the spring game. And again, I, I get it, a spring game. But I think that alone, again, offense has to respond and be close to as good. 
but I think that alone can make a huge difference because we know what turnovers okay. can do to swing the game, swing the momentum. Um, so yeah, get an interception in the end zone, you know, stall a drive, what, whatever it may be. Like, I think that alone, if with our offensive firepower, if it's close to the same, I think we can go from six wins to possibly eight or nine. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question now. Do you think turnovers is more luck or a skill based stat to look at, or scheme based stat? Scheme, it's scheme. I mean, there, there's luck. So, there's so you luck think too. There's it. luck involved. Oh, of course, there's luck involved. But like, I, I would say okay. it's, it's you have to be in the right place. Like sometimes, yeah, if a quarterback makes an errant throw, if um, you know, ball gets tipped. Uh, there's a ton of factors, obviously like fumbles, right? You can have butterfingers. Like we see this all the time where running back, bad exchange, whatever, right? No one touches them, right? It doesn't matter who you're playing. You could be playing the high school team and they can, you know, recover the fumble. Um, so yeah, I mean, of course there's, there's that element, but I certainly on the interception front, I would say that is highly scheme based, right? Be in the right place, be in the right position, um, to make that play if that quarterback makes that, you know, wrong throw or, um, if he's in double coverage, right. Do we have someone there that can like come down with the ball? Um, you know, practicing like with the hands team to make sure that they're like equipped for that. We, we saw a lot of like possible interceptions last year. Right. Um, so like teaching those fundamentals, um, and then, you know, and then even fumbles, right? Like go after on your tackles. We saw like attempts of that last year. Certainly it's something that everyone teaches at pretty much every level. But, um, you know, you love to see like uh, if you do have a blown coverage, right, where they, they get a big play, they convert a big uh, third down, um, try to strip the ball, right? Get in there and tackle the ball. Yeah. Um, and I just, I saw a lot of that in the spring game. I've watched some Buffalo film. I saw it in, in our game in the Camellia Bowl. Uh, it, they just seemed to, his defenses just seemed more prone to go after the ball, to be that like ball hog. And, and, and I think there's, it's kind of a debate, but I find more lines of that. It's more luck now that it's all luck. But there's to me there's some luck still involved in in, in landing a turnover, right? Um, not to say that you don't try to to make that a goal, uh, but what I don't like is what seems to be the talking out of that side of the on from defense that that is a what we try to do deal. Like this is a a, a main goal and if we don't get turnovers, yeah, I I, I agree. Live or die I agree with that. It shouldn't be the 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 goal should be. Stop them from scoring points me, and, my, and racking up a bunch of yards. Is, yeah, I want the defense to get three and outs. To me, a three and out is just as effective as a turnover. Right. Than it, you know, and and that or getting a team off of third down, getting getting the off the field after after third down and stopping them. And, and to me, that's more scheme based and strategy. And, and to me, what the defense can control more. Whereas turnovers, there's not. Uh, a lot of control there. You're hoping for a bad throw. You're hoping That's fair. for a you misread. Want, you You're want hoping. the other stuff, right? You definitely want the other stuff. Yes. And, and turnovers can be that swing. Um, but 
yeah, you can't be solely reliant because you're you're real. I think like Will Harris, it was like yeah. three or something a game. That and, and that made me nervous. It, yeah, no. As as you talk through that, like yes, I agree. Like that made me nervous because okay. realistically, that's not going to happen, right? Um, because and then that, I guess good teams because good teams have good players right. that don't turn the ball. That over. means you're going to yeah, have thirty so. like five turnovers in a season, right? Like, that's not <laughs> that's not something that like normally happens. So um, yeah, especially against good teams. And yeah. so, so yes, I love making it a focus, but obviously the, it can't be the, it can't, it can't be, be the number yeah, one, be live we're going to live or die. Yeah. We're, we're going to like our defense yeah. is going to succeed or fail based solely on turnovers. So you can't, you can't yeah. have that mindset. Exactly. To me, it should be forcing the opponent to get to third down as many times as possible. And then holding their third down conversions to be as low as possible. Which honestly, right? I think, I think. Bailey gets that. I don't know if Harris did. But he probably yeah. does, but but the but the conversation and the projection and what you see out is that's not the focus. That's not what I see as a fan. All I see is turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. And I think great. that's based that, somewhat that, on personnel. That sells though. seats. I think that's based somewhat okay. on personnel because it's like, look, we are not good enough to not give up like 350 yards a game. <laughs> right or 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 30 better. points but but we can maybe we get two interceptions and that's the difference um you know yeah so like I, I i hear you i get it um but okay yeah and and i i, I just didn't want to think i was crazy for that you're right? not like I, like I wasn't okay you're not no no i, I and, and again i i think like yes they kind of preach the same thing but i think he sees the fuller picture than harris did because being a defensive back guy, I think that was like his thing. It was like, it's the sexy thing, right? It's like the turnovers. It's the, yeah. right? Like you said, it puts the butts in the seats. Like when you watch a defense, it's like getting the pick six, getting the force fumbles, getting those tip balls. Like it's not just the like grind it out and get them three and out kind of deal, right? Like, um, so, correct, yeah. But I think with Bailey, he sees that more holistic thing. Like, yes, of course we need to do those other things. But if we can do those other things, and again, not like to the, you know, top 25 ability, um, but just to like average or slightly below average, um, you know, and get some turnovers. I think you have a greatly improved mm-hmm. defense. No, no. Uh, and if we do that, I think we win a lot more ball games this year. Yeah, like you sure. said earlier. For sure. Yeah. Um, cool. I think we're good there. So let's move on. I think we beat the, yeah, I think we got that taken care of. So, so let's <laughs> move on to again, like what, what, I think you could easily make a case for of being the biggest coaching change this off season. Most people are going to turn to coordinators um, and of course head coach, but outside of head coach coordinators. Um, but I think a, a close second to that, um, if not even trumping a defensive coordinator could be the offensive line coach. Um, and mm-hmm. we had a really, really good one in Richard Owens who we did. left for Louisville um and you know and i think he you know he was great at uab the run game coordinator there we thought that was a steal probably the steal of the inaugural staff right of helton yeah um yes and it was kind of a matter of time of like how long can we hold on to this guy i think most of us hoped at least that he was there more than one year that wasn't the case so we had to replace him we replaced him with tj woods um there's a guy that Resume wise, right at, at just first glance, looking at it, looks solid, 
right? Looks really good. He's been at a lot of places, over 20 years of experience. Um, he, you know, uh, previously coached at UNLV, but he has Power 5 experience at Oregon State, Wisconsin. Um, and, you know, he's been um, run game coordinator before, just like Richard Owens. Um, or I'm sorry, co run game coordinator now for us. He was co-offensive coordinator at UNLV uh, last year. Um, and, uh, and then co-OC at Oregon State and back in 2016, run game coordinator at Oregon State in 2017. So, so yeah, pretty solid resume. Again, kind of like more of that West Coast, Mountain West guy, right? Which Helton gravitates to, right? He's, he certainly has, yeah. I think yep. his Rolodex is, is stacked with those, those coaches. So I think we're going to see more of that outside of, uh, what we'll get to here in a second with the other coaching changes of like the, um, the alumni, right? Like, like bringing back alumni. Um, so yeah, I guess just give me kind of your, your thoughts on TJ Woods. Well, I, I there, there are some, positives there right you just mentioned it power five experience he's been at places like wisconsin oregon state um had offensive coordinator experience so he understands how to call plays in in offensive scheme uh my biggest concern with tj woods and and this may not have something that he has complete control over he doesn't because this is a team team game team sport but he seems to come from a lot of schools that have very bad records. You look at UNLV, not so good. You look at his time at Western Kentucky for the one year, not great. You go back to Oregon State, definitely not a good record there. Same thing, I think, at Utah State. Well, maybe Utah State was a little bit better. But pretty much a lot of the places that he's gone to have losing records. And just me personally, I want my coaching staff, whether it's head coach all the way down to tight ends coach, I would like for them to come from winning programs or have been a part of winning football teams and to and, and to see that that's not kind of the teams that he's been with is a little concerning. Now, some of you may be like, who cares? It was their defense. It was they didn't have a quarterback, whatever. Fine, that could very well be the case. But it's still a little troubling that, a lot of the programs that he's coached at have not been very good. Devil's advocate here. And Richard Owens, okay, go for just it. looking at his timeline, same thing with his coaching experience. Again, I, th- I like, I was ecstatic for the hire. We both thought it was like the home run hire of, of, of health yes. inaugural class. Um, you look at him, UAB of course had pretty good year the year before he came right uh, to us um, in 21. Uh, but in, 2019 to 20 they weren't particularly that great right they had restarted the program um they were okay he was at louisville before that so there's that connection he's a louisville alum i believe um and he was tight ends coach in recruiting i can't really comment on that 2018 what the tight ends at louisville were like um but he was at south alabama yeah. before that from uh 2015 okay. to 17 tight ends in the offensive line uh uab before that from uh 2012 to 2014 and then he was a ga at arkansas before that so okay you know uab south alabama louisville not like powerhouse programs either um while he was there but he is regarded as a top offensive line coach I think at this point. Yeah, he is. And 
I think you can look at the trajectory of UAB. Like when they restarted their program, they nobody thought that they would do as well as they did. And a lot of that is due to their offensive line and how well that Richard Owens and, and Bill Clark focused on that, correct? Yeah. So I think you can you can kind of argue that you can see that there's an upward trajectory in Coach Owens' career. I don't know if that upward trajectory is still there for Coach Woods. Mm-hmm. Okay, so again, you, maybe our, <laughs> our fans know a lot more about UNLV and Oregon State and what was going on in those years. But just looking at the records, it don't does not look like he, he's coming from teams that win, and that's concerning to me. Is is obviously it's not always the offensive line that's the issue that causes you to lose a football game. But again, just personally, I want my coaches to come from winning programs and to show a trajectory of winning because then they bring that attitude to the locker room, and you can have confidence going out there that okay, these coaches know how to win. That's just that's that's my thought. Not saying that he's a terrible coach or that he's not he could be a great coach yeah. and he's just had bad luck with the teams that he's been hired for. Sure. But looking outside or looking in, it's a little concerning. Yeah, no, that's fair. And 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 uh, you know, you pointed out off the air that like uh Gary Anderson, right, former what TCU coach, um, and yeah. went to, to Utah State where TJ Woods was uh for a few years, you know, he seems to kind of have followed him around right for a while. Um, and yeah, so you never really know, like, is it, is it kind of one of those things when you're like really committed to like, not just one side of the ball, but just as, as, you know, a position coach, um, that's just, yeah, one aspect of it. Um, so it could just be bad luck of the draw. Um, it could be our place to recruit. You could have inherited, you know, complete crap <laughs> that, that you have to like mold. And then, <laughs> and then that coach, the head coach that hired you gets fired and you never really get a chance to like yeah. build that program, um, or, or build it up the way you want. So like, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of factors there, but, but yeah, I, I get it. Like on, when you start to dig, not even like super deep, but just a little deeper than just the resume. Right. Um, there are some concerns there and I think more concerns than Richard Owens, not saying that there weren't any with him. Like we didn't know how any of this was going to work out, especially with a complete 180 of offense. Right. But, um, I think now I, I guess I feel better of TJ Woods inheriting a Richard Owens offensive line on, um, this Brian Ellis offense than I do yes. if he was a part of the inaugural yes. class. Yeah, and, and that's why I'm not, like, raising the alarm, like, this is going to be terrible. No, because you're right. You just made a great point. He's inheriting what Richard Owens has already done. I don't think he's going to come in here and completely just change everything for the offensive line. He's probably just here to keep the status quo. Um, I obviously think Coach Ellis and, and Coach Woods had time at Western Kentucky. That's where they kind of knew each other from. So, again... I don't look for a complete change in offensive line strategy and scheme, but I think it's something to kind of watch for, again, in the first couple games to see, okay, is our offensive line just as good? Are they protecting Bryn and opening up the holes for the running backs like they were last year? Or is there some trouble that's there and we need to be concerned about it? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, Cool. Move on? Yeah. Let's do it. So we'll round out the coaching changes kind of with a bunch here. So, and, and there's a theme, obviously. Uh, so definitely had a handful 
A um, lot on the offensive side of the ball, right? Just talked about the offensive line coach. Obviously, we have the defensive coordinator. Um, but uh, most of the defensive staff stayed the same. Um, I guess we can start with that. So the theme that I'm speaking of is, is bringing back uh, alumni, right? Bringing back former mm-hmm. players. Um, so we saw a lot of that in the offseason. So Darius Eubanks comes in, safety's a nickels coach. Under Brandy Bailey, it was a really quick hire, I believe within like a week or two of him being named DC. He brings him on, um, which is interesting, right? Because, I mean, you lost Will Harris. That was his specialty. Um, and you, um, of course, have um, – help me out, Cody – uh, Kevin Whitley, of course, uh, yes. former interim coach, uh, assistant head coach in charge of the cornerbacks. So Brandon Bailey really early on wanted to get another secondary coach on the staff, um, you know, hopefully to kind of focus more on on the entire picture. Right. So. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, glad to have Darius Eubanks back. Don't need to go through like his whole timeline. I think most people listen to this know who he is. Great player for us. Um, and certainly happy to have him back young and upcoming coach. I guess before we move on, we'll, we'll give him his like time Cody, anything to kind of add there. No, I have nothing to add. Um, we'll say that the only thing I do want to add is that the defensive coordinator is coaching the linebackers. So in case you didn't know where he kind of fit into all this, he's coaching linebackers. And I believe the defensive line coach is the same from last year. I don't yeah, think that Rip changed. Wall, Rip Rowan. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's that. So I guess, we can move on to offense now, right? Yep, offense. So you've got wide receivers coach, running backs coach, both left within very short time frame, right? Um, and uh, one went to USF, I believe. Um, yep. And refresh my memory. The wide receiver Cody coach went, went to Auburn. To Auburn, that's right. Um, yes. Yep. Um, under uh, um, Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze, there it is. Uh, so, so yeah, so, so that happened within a really tight time frame. I believe that was before Will Harris, if I remember correctly. Yes, it was. Um, that was after all the, I think the bowl games had completed. So quick revolving door there. Um, and then, yeah, yes. and, and replace it, uh, with BJ Johnson, of course, uh, you know, huge, uh, stand out for us, um, leading wide receiver for, for many years, you know, um, uh, you know, for us. And of course those are now being, all those records are being like eclipsed, um, with, uh, with our change in offense, but, um, great wide receiver for us. Um, and then, uh, Taylor Reed, uh, comes in as the running backs coach, um, Cody. So, uh, you know, that one, yeah, that's an interesting one. I know you have some thoughts and feelings. Let's, let's yeah, just just what's his background? I know you probably have his bio up, but what's his background? Like, what was his coaching play? Did he play anywhere? He did. Was he coaching uh, anywhere? Yeah, I, I believe he did. He played at Memphis, Arkansas, and Central Arkansas. Um, he played at all three schools? Yes, is, is what it shows. Okay. Playing experiences Memphis in 2011, Arkansas in 2012, and Central Arkansas from 13 Was he an, a quarterback? Uh, he was... Uh, a quarterback, yes, from 2013 okay. to 15. He threw for 1,800 okay. yards, 14 touchdowns, and 23 games over three seasons. Okay, and so after he got through playing, I guess he went into GA coaching and all that 
that typical. Uh, correct. He started at Arkansas, okay. which is one of his stops um, in 2012. So he was a GA there from 16 to 17. Central Arkansas running backs, Auburn GA, Illinois GA, offensive analyst at Illinois, and then now running backs coach at Georgia Southern. So this is his first okay. full-time on-the-field position. Okay. So nowhere was he selling insurance for State Farm. He was not, even though he... Okay. Yeah, I know you're convinced that he looks like he is. <laughs> Pretty sure he has sold me an insurance policy. Right. No, I know. He just, doesn't look joke, like a running but... backs coach, people. All right, let's let's just put it out there. He just doesn't <laughs> look like the typical, right? Where, where the previous, like, like yeah, I mean, it, like, and he was running backs. He was running back, right? His, his playing experience was running back. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. But no, we joke about it. But no, I, it's um, again. This is a running backs coach. I think the previous coach that went off to uh, South Florida. He also came. Th- he was also from a GA or offensive analyst. I think from um, was it had stops at Ohio Tennessee, State, Tennessee, Tennessee. Yeah. So it, it's not anything out of the ordinary here. This looks like to kind of be how Ellis and Helton look at maybe the running back's position as a way to kind of break in an analyst or somebody new into the for their first time coaching gig, um, which is fine. Uh, I think our running backs are very talented, obviously. I would put them up against any group in the Sun Belt and group of five, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and so I think this is a, a great – you know, if he if he could pick a running back room to pick, I think we would probably be right up there for him to to get his first year of head coach or running back coaching experience um, at the D one level. So we'll see how it goes. Um, as long as they don't fumble the ball, I guess he's doing a great job. But, yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's the I fundamentals mean, and yeah. stuff, but like longevity comes exactly. to mind and recruiting comes to mind, right? Like you know, can, yeah, can right. this guy right? right yeah. We we've obviously got OJ Arnold. Um, you know, we've we've got great running backs here. We've had great running backs here. We are changing but the it, offense. It, it, you, you we the, are getting less touches yeah. to these running backs. Whoever we have in, if they are here for a long time, what does that do to the longevity of the um prestige of the running back position at Georgia Southern? Right. That would be my well, biggest think, concern. Well, you brought up recruiting, and I think if you just say look at the production you know, you look at Jalen White's yeah. production last year, and it's probably as good of a running back production that we've had since probably twenty. Because it was high quality touches, you. is what it was. Yes, instead it of was. just handed off forty and, times because that's all you can do. Exactly, yeah. and so I think when you look at recruiting production of that position, is going to sell itself, right? I don't think it should be too hard. Um, and plus, too, the way that they do recruiting, it's more regional based. So he'll probably have a region that he needs to go and connect with the high school coaches there. And, and kind of make those connections. So, you know, we joke about the salesman part, but in, in you, reality, you don't think that has any effect? You don't think that has any salesman. effect, though? Like, you don't think, like, going to the school and, like, no, if you're competing no. with a Georgia State or a Troy or, like, somebody like that, and it's like, I don't, you know, like, this guy didn't play running back in college. Like, this guy, you know, like, no. No, because I, no, I, I think when it comes to coaching, at least in my head as a recruit, you would look at two things. One, do they win? Two, are they are they knowledgeable about the game? And three, are they putting people in the next level? Mm. You know, and and you kind of look at probably those three things. I'm sure nil comes into it to a certain degree. I don't know, but probably so. Uh, but that's probably the main three things. And facilities. There's a lot of other aspects of it, but I think it's more relationship connections. Can you build the relationship with the students that they're trying to recruit to bring in? 
you know, is he good at that? If he is, then I think he won't have an issue. Um, so, you know, I think all of these new assistants that they brought in, nothing stands out as a complete red flag, but are there certain concerns that each of them have? I think so. And we'll see how that plays out over the season. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, we have gotten through the coaches. Let's go move on. What's the over under of for sure's from Matt Monty today? <laughs> for sure's? I always say for sure. That's like yeah. my go to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cody, we're done. <laughs> You're making me feel self conscious. Last episode of Gotta Talk. Thank you to Can Cut. <laughs> That's it. That's, That's it. it. Next week, new co host. <laughs> Um, let's move on to players. Um, obviously again with the transfer portal, obviously just with graduation and all that, um, you, you know that, yeah, yeah, you're, you're going to have the kind of this revolving door that, that you've seen across, not exclusive to us by any means. Um, but, uh, we have seen it, I would say more often last year right just with with the transition certainly with the offensive shift um in in clay helton's first year of, of bringing in some more wide receivers bringing in some different offensive linemen bringing in obviously quarterbacks right is the biggest thing so let's start there obviously you know hot topic as always of the quarterback um it seems like right again we're recording this in, in mid-july um anything could change obviously but from what we've heard what we've seen in the spring game and everything else it seems like the qb1 of this year is going to be another um one year loner right out of the transfer portal in davis Bren coming out of the university of tulsa yeah it is and i don't think there's an issue with that i don't know i think it's fine it worked out well for Vantrese last year I think Brent has an opportunity to do a great job this year. The only concern that I can see is maybe interceptions. Um, and maybe we'll probably get into the depth of that position here in a little bit. But quick quick glance, I think the depth of the quarterback position is, is pretty good. <laughs> I feel pretty confident um, with who we have behind him. But, no, I think I think Brent can come in here and do a fantastic job. Um, just as he, you know, again, it's the intangible stuff that we can't see as fans and as alumni is that, you know, is he working and, and getting good relationships with the receivers and offensive line and running backs, as well as, is he getting to the playbook, working with Ellis and the, le- and the leadership, all the, the leadership you attributes too, yeah. because like Van Trees, like he yeah. won over that <clears throat> locker room. Like that was clear. Yeah, he did. He did. He did. Yeah. And so, yeah, is, if he, is he doing all of those things? And if he is, then I think there's, there's no reason why he can't come in here and have a, um, better season than Van Trace did. Um, he looks to have a little bit more mobility than than Kyle Van Trace. So we'll see if there's any you know uh, play designs to to use that aspect of it to kind of keep the defense honest or to take away um, maybe defenses playing heavy on on coverage and and not really spying on the quarterback and just take those free yards when they come our way. So I. I you know, you look at the spring game, he has a great arm. Yeah. Pretty accurate for the most part. Uh, to me, the only concern is going to be the interception aspect of it. If you look at his career, a lot of interceptions. So we'll see how that turns out. We know that Calvin Trees had quite a few interceptions last year. Some of that affected a game or two. <laughs> um, yep. So 
if we can cut down on that, make smart decisions, limit the turnovers, there's no reason why he can't have a record-breaking year and and break all the records that Kyle Vantry set last year. Yeah, Vantry, 16 interceptions last year. Uh, he had six in 2021 when he was at Buffalo, um, but only eight touchdowns. Uh, you look at Bryn, similar size, 6'2", 210. Um, he's out of Texas. Uh, he's a fifth-year senior, again, one-year loner for us. Um, played uh, ma- three years at Tulsa, mainly in the last two years, 21 and 22. Um, he had 3,200 yards passing in 21, uh, 2,100 yards in 22, but he was hurt and injured um, and out for, for several games um, last year. He led the nation through five games and, and, and passing uh, before getting injured. Um, and he finished with, uh, like I said, uh, over 2,100 yards, um, 17 touchdowns and eight interceptions. So just two more than what Van Trees did at Buffalo, but a lot more touchdowns, right? 17 compared to eight. Um, and certainly a lot more yards. Um, Van Trees, uh, uh, the highest amount he threw at Buffalo, 1,800. Um, which was right in line with, I think, just over uh, what our record was, uh, right, at, at, at Georgia Southern ever. Um, and, of course, he, he shattered it um, last year with uh, 42-53, um, 27 touchdowns, 16 interceptions, um, and a 61% completion percentage. So um, on paper, this looks like an upgrade. It does. Like it to, to me, it looks like an upgrade. That's not a slight on Cowan Trees by any measure, um, because again, he came in. I think he was an instant leader in the locker room. Um, I think he won it over pretty quickly. Um, he made some great plays. To your point, Cody, he he certainly made some some plays that that went the other way, right? Um, with uh, some ill timed decisions with some of his throws that, that definitely impacted the game. Um, but at the same time, beat App State on, like, great play. Uh, beat James Madison on great plays. Um, beat uh, Nebraska, right, on the run. Um, like you said, mm-hmm. <laughs> where he's not a mobile quarterback, but beat him on the run. And, of course, uh, pass for, for a few yards as well, right? And uh, so, so yeah, I mean, it, taking nothing away from KVT. But – just looking at kind of like where they were similar trajectory as far as like, you know, group of five quarterback with, you know, solid starting experience coming into our program in this Brian Ellis offense. Davis certainly has the upper hand just on resume, right? He has to prove it on the field, but he has it on resume in my opinion. No, yeah, I agree with you. There's not, there's not really a whole lot to to really look at and, and pick that apart. I, to me, it's just the interceptions. Is is can he not turn the ball over? And if he doesn't, as well as the the modest improvement that we hope we get on defense, and and you can have a very great season here um, for 2023. But hang on, wait and see. Yeah, I think 2021 is the one that like really stands out, right? Because he. Um, he played, I, I believe, the whole season there. Again, threw for over 3,200 yards. He had 18 uh, touchdowns, one more than he did last year in, le- in, in more games, right? Um, but uh, And then he had um, 
and McDonald's ads is playing, so that's great. Um, and then uh, he had uh, he had 18 uh, touchdowns, but 16 interceptions in 21, right? So which matched Vatrice last year, but he threw for less yards and threw for less touchdowns. So to your point, you, you know he's going to get. So he had 410 attempts in 21. Uh, Vantrese had 604 attempts <laughs> uh, last okay, year. Yeah. So so yes, like if if you up that, um, you give him 200 more throws. Is he going to throw you know another five ten interceptions? Right. Um, exactly. So yeah, completion percentage pretty close. Uh, but but yeah, I. I I think there's upside. I'm excited. And let's let's talk about depth a little bit. I don't want to get like super into it. Um, but I do think it's worth mentioning because you never know what's gonna happen. Um, God forbid, you know, your QB one goes down. I think last year, if that happened with Calvin Trees, it's a very different season, right? We depending of course on how long he's out, we don't make a bowl game probably. We just didn't have that depth behind him. I feel like this year we have the most true, pure QB depth we've probably ever had in the history of a program. No, I I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. And if um you know if something happens there, I think there's plenty of guys that are willing that can step in and keep us competitive. Uh, whereas last year, maybe in in previous years, if you if your starter went out, you were sweating bullets if we could even you know manage to put any sort of an offensive drive together. So, I think that's a testament to to Ellis and Helton is just how well they have. This is year they haven't even started year two yet, and they have completely not only changed the quarterback room in terms of it's more. Th- you know, air raid, throw it a whole bunch of times type of a quarterback class. And not only that, but there's depth there and there's quality depth there. Um, And you're looking at this is probably the last year we have to go out and get a grad transfer to lead this team because you have really probably four guys behind him that are ready now to take the reins of the team. But are just, you know, you give them one more year to develop and you're looking at 2024 as being a year that could be very special for whoever fights and earns that job. Yeah, for sure. And again, I mean, we've seen a influx of quarterbacks come in, right? So like, we're only going to see more. Yes, come in where yeah. we, we see like the recruits. Um, so by no means, I mean, you're going to still see that, like have that revolving door. You're going to have, uh, you know, some of these guys once like, the dust settles and and you see kind of where like the the pieces fall some guys will leave but i think the quality of guy that would like we have in my opinion three guys in jc french bo allen and davis Brin that i'm comfortable with at qb1 this year yeah no and yeah, no, you could right. never say that ever in the history of like even when we were like when we were option team i don't even think you could say that that you had like three yeah. guys, and and now Bo Allen won't be able to play this year. I don't know if you saw that or not. His oh, he put that grades. out on Twitter. Uh, no, 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 not grades, but they changed. They changed because this is like his second oh, transfer, yeah. second or Because he transfer. was Kentucky, and, and they, then he was uh, um, Abilene Christian. Something, yeah, yeah or Tolson State is where he came oh, from. Tarleton so, State. Yeah. Uh, anyways, the, he he but he, 
if you want to go, we retweeted his thread that he did on Twitter um, that kind of explained the situation. But just a quick recap is that there are several options that you can apply for to get eligibility when you go for another transfer. Um, he qualified for some of them as soon as he did it. Um, it wasn't but just a few uh, either days or a couple of weeks after that, they completely changed the eligibility requirements and all the ones that he checked off for, they took away. So, you know, he explained that. He explained sort of that he's still happy here and that he's excited for the future. But I don't think that this year he'll be able to be eligible to play. So you um, think third is again, Colton Fitzgerald? Could be. Yeah. Uh, Phil Still's book it has it as David Dallas. Okay. Um, so, again... Regardless, you go into 2024, to me, there's four guys right off the bat that you feel very comfortable. Whoever wins that spot should have can can take over and, and win football games and put up the same sort of stats that we've seen last year and hopefully this year. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, all right, let's close out this episode um, on change with just everything else, the players outside of quarterback, right? So... Um, obviously just looking at the roster, all you got to do is really like scroll through and you see, you know, some, some notable names and you see, you know, a column with previous school of, of where they came from. So starting with number one, uh, just because, uh, he is number one and comes up at the top Jalen Barden, which I think is going to be a big player at wide receiver coming from Pitt. Um, 5'11", 180, senior um, from Valdosta, so somewhat of a homecoming for him. Um, you know, this is a guy obviously losing Singleton, right? Um, we obviously return Hood, which, like, by most accounts, uh, most of the pundits, right, have have in, in the top three wide receivers, right, in the conference, uh, it, it seems. Um and uh, but obviously losing Singleton is is huge. Uh, so I think Jalen Barden. Um, you look at uh, Anthony Queeley um, from Syracuse, uh, from Orlando, Florida, like Nona. Um, I think he, uh, you know, bigger guy, six two, two oh five. Um, also a six year. Um, so definitely trying to you know make make a stamp in his his final run. Um, yeah, I, I think those two guys, let's kind of start there at the wide receiver position. Um, I think you're going to see their name called a lot. Probably so. And that's not <laughs> including Caleb Hood, hopefully Sam Kinnerson if he yeah. comes back healthy. Kinnerson, yeah. Uh, you know, Burgess. <laughs> I mean, the wide re- receiver room is stacked with playmakers. And, I, you know, it's going to be pick your poison. Who do you want to double team? Who are you going to leave single coverage? You know, if you play zone, they're gonna find the gaps uh, and the holes in that. I, you know, I, there's not a lack of talent in that wide receiver room, and whoever the three or four that get to go out there um, have an opportunity to make not just plays but big plays um, yeah. every time they're on the field. So, I again, it's it's a credit to what Helton and Ellis and that side of the field uh, coaching staff has done. Um, we had talent there. They've not only taken the talent that we've had and showcased it and, you know, showed how well that receiving room was, but they've added to it. Uh, so again, um, you know, I was talking about the, the, you had Josh Thompson, a redshirt freshman that should be getting more touches that we saw in the bowl game with a big catch. Yep. Jet. And there's the jet. Yeah. There's just a lot of talent there. 
Uh, should, again, we just talk about Brandon how how his season should be. He does not lack weapons, and that's just the receivers. We haven't even gotten to the tight ends or running backs that he's going to have the option to throw to as well. So great, great segue, Cody. Be- <laughs> <laughs> so the guy I really want to highlight in this segment is Keaton Upshaw, <laughs> right? Which we saw just a glimpse of in the spring game. Six seven, two forty five, sixth year senior, um, out of the University of Kentucky. Um, had yep. some touches there, had some playing time. Probably certainly not as much as he would have liked. Um, certainly the the frame jumps out of you, right? This is like a massive linebacker playing tight end, um, but he can move. Yeah, and he's got good hands, and he can block. And he was a force to be reckoned with and certainly stood out without needing to look at the depth chart. Like you knew who um, number six was in the spring game pretty yes. early on. Um, and I think that trend will continue through the season and certainly through some about conference play. Well, I want to just read off these tight ends that we have and just the tight end room that we have can rival some wide receiver groups. J.J. McAfee, Keaton, I'm sure you just said, Evan Lester, and then Bo Johnson. Yeah, Bo Johnson. Right, yeah, Bo Johnson was – Yeah. So those four guys right there are just as athletic as, as really just about probably most wide receiver rooms in college football, if not more. Um, Keaton Upshaw, he's a, he's a fantastic weapon that we have um, on our offense, a complete mismatch with no matter who they try to – line up to cover him, whether it be linebacker or secondary. Um, and then to have him out there just on running place, he's going to be a massive wall out there to just seal off an edge and just block and open up huge gaps for our running back. So this is – I'm excited to see what Ellis or how Ellis has will utilize him in our offense. You saw, like you just said, glimpses of it in the spring game. And it was – it looked very exciting, uh, to say the least, because – one of the things that I think you can look back on and you can maybe criticize the offense last year was inside, you know, first and goal, 10-yard yes. type situations. He's going to be a huge help there. They were somewhat one-dimensional. They were very limited. Yep. Yeah, so having a big body down there where when you're getting hood double-teamed and whoever takes singleton spot double-teamed, right, having that guy that can be that mismatch. Um, to well, who's going to jump those them. jump balls, exactly. Come down when they're just like – hike it they're rushing throw it up go down right like that's exactly yeah. and 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 you're right we we have bo Al, or uh, bo johnson and those other guys i think you're going to see a lot more tight ends have a presence this year than certainly than last year maybe probably ever right i mean like i i really mm-hmm. think you're going to start seeing both the running backs and the tight ends really involved in the passing game starting this year yeah, which is exciting because they can make huge explosive plays as well as wide receivers can. So, and it'll be something for defenses to have to to you know scheme for. It opens and, it up and to prepare yeah. for. Like if if yeah, you're worried about Jalen White or OJ Arnold catching like a a swing pass, or if you're worried about um, you know Bo Johnson or or um, um, yeah, Keaton Upshaw, uh, you know, catching one down the middle. All of a sudden, that's gonna ca- uh, that's gonna open up that that bomb play. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. 
Cool. Um, defensive side of the ball, don't want to forget them. Um, we talked about the overhaul there. For sure. And how, you know, we had, um, yeah, other than Watson Trent, not really a whole lot of big names returning. Um, so going to be a lot of new names, a lot of new faces um, solidifying that hopefully improved defense. Um, and, you know, got some good ones. Like you said, got a lot of good uh, defensive backs. Jalen Denton out of Ole Miss. Uh, you got uh, DeMille Hickman out of East Carolina. Um, you've got uh, TJ Smith out of Kansas State. You know, that, that, that was a big one. You had a guy out of Washington. Um, yeah, Cam Williams. Cam Williams, thank you. And, uh, yeah, so just kind of tell me who who stands out. doesn't have to be one of the names I just mentioned. Who stands out on the defensive side of the ball as far as uh, new, new faces? I don't really think it's, a, it's an individual that stands out. But it's, to me, how well does our front four generate pressure and stop the run? And that's it. Because our rush defense was, to me, obviously was not very good. And we didn't generate a lot of pressure to get at quarterbacks, I didn't feel like. Um, it, to me, it's not so much does an individual stand out. I really want to see our front four really come together and show improvement in stopping the run and getting after the quarterback and really putting pressure on there and, 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 and causing offenses to get uncomfortable. Um, because I felt a lot of times last year, the teams that we were going up against, the offenses could do whatever they want to. And they didn't feel like we were making them uncomfortable or putting them in, in tough spots. Yep. So, really, it's the front four. I think the secondary, you look at that, it's complete. I mean, that's completely almost redone. Um, Mark Stampley is there from last year, yep. but everybody else, I believe, is is new. Uh, so, again, you can see how they're co- – how are they going to gel and talk and communicate because communication is real huge for the secondary are they are they working on that? Are they prepared? Are they able to trust each other when they're on that field? Linebacker, that's really the only spot in which you have some sort of continuity there with Jackson and Watson Trent. Yeah. They both played a lot last year. Um, so I'm hoping for for that to kind of be the solid aspect of our defense. Obviously the defensive coordinator is coaching that group, so that gives me you know a little bit more confidence there. But again, it front four yeah for sure show me that you show me that you're closing gaps show me that you're tackling folks at the line of scrimmage hitting folks at the line of scrimmage and getting after the quarterback in and causing offenses to get uncomfortable absolutely um you know with with the new faces obviously come departures and as bad as our defense was we did lose some key guys and i think that's worth noting we did right so obviously it justin is. birdsong he was one of our favorites right we we harped him um, yeah. on this on this podcast todd bradley glenn i mean what a warrior i mean literally faced everything yes. you could face as, as a student athlete and and persevered exactly. through it all um so certainly want to give him a shout out Derek canteen huge talent would not be surprised seeing him not just in the NFL one day, um, you know, in the starting lineup of the NFL, but as an all pro, um, you know, he, he definitely is going to be 
I think, you know, a, a star talent at, at the next level and um, mm-hmm. hate to see him go. Uh, and but wishing the best of luck. Uh, you had some other guys, you know, obviously you had Justin Ellis, um, just kind of one of those, like, is he going to play at the ne- next level? Probably not. Right. But like, uh, he was just, but he had leadership. He was a leadership guy, right? He was, yeah, he was that guy that you're going to look back at me. Like he was a hard nosed guy and he, yeah. he loved the school. And yeah. Um, Najee Thompson, right. Stands out. Um, Yes. Getting opportunity at the next level. Um, we'll see, you know, practice squads, that sort of thing, trying to make the teams uh, with the Vikings, I believe, right now as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so hoping the best for him. Another just like not, not I don't want to say gadget player in like a negative sense, like a, a Swiss Army knife, right? Like anywhere you want to put yes. him, he is there and he can make plays. Um, uncanny, mm-hmm. make the one-handed catch, make the interception, play play uh, special teams on, on punk coverage and go down and light you up. Like just unbelievable. Um, Quinn Williams, Wyland Free, Dylan Springer, of course, um, huge leader, ended up staying for – uh, his final year to to play for Helton. So I uh, wanted to give, you know, due respect to, to those gentlemen. Um, so, um, yeah, Cody, with that, you know, we're over almost hundred, uh, almost an hour and 15 minutes in. Um, so we're going to call this episode. We actually kind of covered everything we wanted to in this kind of change theme episode. Um, but like I said, it's going to be multiple parts, uh, leaning up, wanting to give we're you, we're not going to, we're not going to do the special teams or is that next episode? It's going to be next episode. So I want to get into, okay. yeah. So in the past, if you've listened to us, obviously we've done kind of offense, uh, you know, defense preview, special teams, right. Um, we want to shake it up and kind of touch on all those things throughout these kind of themed episodes. Um, so, you know, we, we don't want to just be like a Phil still book in audio form, right? We love Phil still <laughs> love him, Right. Um, I'm literally staring at the book. I'm sure Cody is too. Um, but, but like this we, right we want to, again, we're a fan podcast. We kind of want to talk about more of these themes. Like what are the fans talking about during talking season and the off season? Right. Um, so for, for this next episode, we want to focus on predictions, right? So we, we, uh, we want to kind of look at, Everything we talked about from this first one, okay, what do we think? What do we kind of predict out of the offense, out of the defense? What's the special teams going to look like? And then, yes, get into actual season predictions. Um, What are we kind of thinking? Look at the schedule. What are predictions for the Sun Belt? Who are the top players in the East and the West? Who are some sleepers, including possibly us, right? Um, lo- looking at looking at the schedule itself, how it shakes out, not just like who we play and when, um, but like those those trends, right? Like um, of, yes. of, of those stretches of road games, of quick turnarounds, of who who's coming off the bye week, um, you know that sort of thing. Um, who we catch at a good time, that you know. So all that in the next episode, and then of course for sure we'll lead you in to. <laughs> The Cody <laughs> to the first, yeah. I'm gonna go back and produce this. I, I've got to count how many times I said it because now super self conscious, but um, 
So in, in, in part two of our season preview extravaganza with Cody and whoever the new co-host is, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk all about predictions. And of course, we'll have one final lead up episode. Um, if we can get in the next one, we will. But uh, obviously lean you in to uh, the season opener against uh, the Citadel um, coming up on September 2nd. So uh, more to come. Um, thank you for listening. Welcome to season six, hopefully the best season yet. And once again, welcome shout back. out, sh- welcome back. Glad football's back. L- glad it's coming. Um, can't wait. It's been a long off season, Cody. It really has. Um, I'm, 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 I'm jacked. I'm, I'm really excited for this season. Um, and really, are you, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of nervous. Are you? All right. Well, Predict, yeah. prediction episode that will come in the prediction episode that will come um, yeah but uh again shout out to speaking of excited our sponsor can cut um can't thank andy thompson enough again alumni owned business georgia owned grown um go check them out if it applies to you if you think it might apply to you if you have a cousin a friend whoever it might be that you might uh think you know these these premium cutting tools and, and drill bits might um, apply to go check them out. Cancut.com, K-N-K-U-T.com. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. Awesome to have a sponsor. Awesome to be back. Season six, Cody. We'll pick it up next time. Hail Southern, Matt. Hail Southern. <laughs>